A but God moment. Have you ever had a moment in your life when, um, when something happened and the only thing that you could explain it by was but God? In 1996, I was in sixth grade. Sorry, I just dated myself. When I was in sixth grade, I took my first computer class. It was called The Basics of Computers. This was a year after Windows 95 came on the scene. And in this class, I learned all kinds of terms like hard drive and memory and computer components, a mouse that didn't squeak. Um, You could push buttons on it. Um, The CRT monitors, I know they're a little ancient now, but, you know, um, they're like little TV screens for your computer. Um, But little did I know at the time that that was the beginning of my love of technology. And, um, and, and so in middle school, I built my own computer. I learned how to type um, fairly well. And then in high school, I improved in that. Um, and then in high school, I had a summer job where I, along with the whole team of people, upgraded um, the school district computer labs in the entire county. Um, I worked with the local school district to do that. And, um, and in, a, in 11th and 12th grade, I was working towards getting my certification to become a network analyst for uh, Cisco Networks. And so I was going to be certified, a certified network analyst, um, and my plan was to oversee a local network of a company somewhere. And I grew up in Oregon, and so I'm like, well, may as well go to California, because that's what you, what you do. Um, and so, and then my senior year, um, I was involved, I was heavily involved in the youth group, and my youth pastor uh, gave me opportunities to lead in the youth ministry. So I led worship. I was able to speak a little bit. And I got to my last semester of my senior year. I'd been working towards this Cisco certification. And I had one more internship to complete. But I had to do it before I graduated. And I realized at that moment, through conversations with people, that I didn't want to do this anymore. I spent the last six years of my life working towards this certification and all kinds of experience. But I didn't want to do it anymore. It was a but God moment in my life. It was, my life's goal wasn't fulfilling any longer and God had something bigger to, for me to pursue. He had, he had more for me to consider um, and serve him. Have you ever had a moment like that? Here's how God changed my desires. God intervened, and I spent my last semester of high school not working towards a certification. Yeah, I was still working, busy on computers. I wasn't upgrading computers like I was. But I was serving alongside my youth pastor. And there was the time that I had under his leadership changed my entire life's trajectory. To directory. All right. You get it. The rocket went one way, and now it's going the other way. It was during that time that God led me to Liberty University to pursue vocational ministry. I was going to be a quote-unquote professional pastor. And at Liberty University, I met my wife, and here we are. The rest is history. I wouldn't be who I am today if 
God didn't change my desires to match his. I remember a, uh, a line that my dad said. I had lots of conversations in this, um, in this uh, changing of direction time. And my dad said, I always prayed for you to be a pastor. Uh, all right. I never felt that calling on my life. I never felt that, you know, hey, are you going to pursue ministry? But I came from a long line of pastors. My grandfather was a pastor. He planted a church in, in a community in Oregon. My uncle was a pastor. My dad was a pastor. My other uncle was a pastor. And my um, aunt is a pastor's wife. And so I came from, you know, the pastor circles, but I never considered it for myself. But it was a but God moment. God came in my life and, um, and changed my desires to match his. Maybe a new chapter in your life is about to begin, right? We're celebrating graduates today. We have for the past couple weeks uh, now with, with college graduate and, um, and high school graduates. Maybe, maybe you're seeking the Lord for his direction today. Well, today, um, with a few moments we have uh, remaining, we're going to discover four truths how you were created to do good in this world. Open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. If you don't have a Bible with you, there's a black Bible in front of you, uh, and you can turn to the page 917. Barnabas set this passage up well um, when he... Uh, we, well, he described how people originated before Christ transforms us. Ephesians chapter 2. You, we were, it's, uh, Barnabas continued and said we were dead, focusing on ourselves. We were busy being selfish. And then we see a but God moment. In verse 4, we're going to pick it up. Ephesians 2 chapter 4, it says this. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love which he had for us, even when we were dead in our trespasses... Another reminder, we were dead. He made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. So from this passage, who is God? It says right there, God is rich in mercy and love for you. God has compassion towards others. He, in the midst of our death, being separated from God, he still loves us. God's riches aren't limited to a checking account. His riches are never ending. So when we go back and read verse 4, but God being rich is mercy because of the great love which he had for us, those are never ending riches. It's not like the rich guy that pays everything and, you know, they look rich because they have all the rich things, um, the houses and the cars and the nice clothes. That will eventually run out. God's riches never run out. So number one, you were created to be in a relationship with God. We were dead in our trespasses and sin in verse 5. He made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Here's the deal. God doesn't see your brokenness. He sees your beauty and your potential. We all come from brokenness. We're, we're all separated from God. And so the line has been severed from our relationship with God. We come broken to a perfect God. And God doesn't see us as broken. He sees us as beautiful. And he sees our potential. And many times in the student ministry world, uh, when middle school and high school and sometimes even uh, elementary students, they see themselves as not enough. 
They don't have what their friends have. They don't measure up to what their friends portray that they have. They see themselves as, ah, who am I? Just a less than. And unfortunately, even as adults, we sometimes see ourselves as that too. Well, I saw their Instagram. You seen what they're doing? Or I talked to them and they were driving a new car. I want a new car. I can't afford a new car. You understand? We we compare ourselves to others. We see ourselves sometimes as um, hitting rock bottom. It could be our circumstances. It could be our relationship. But God has a different perspective than we do. God can take hold of you deep in your death and your sin, and he can transform you, made alive together with Christ. That's that where that transformation happens. In the original language, this phrase, made, alive, uh, made us alive together with Christ, is actually two words. Made us alive together with is one word. It's, it's, it's one action. Made, up, made alive together with. The second word is Christ. Christ, can only, Christ has, has, the amazing, um, has an amazing opportunity to take us from death to life. And in our death, God made us alive. Number two, you were created to be alive with Christ, not exist without him. Oscar Wilde, an Irish poet and playwright from the 19th century, said this. To live is the rarest thing. Most people exist. That is all. You ever thought of living as, wow, such an honor to live? Maybe, maybe our word today is, is passion, right? Are you following your passion? If you're not following your passion, you're... You're really not living. But we are made for more than existing. When we are just existing and letting life come at us and wondering why me, we're not at our best. God designed us to be at our best when we're doing God's work, as we'll see um, in later verses. Maybe your work is school. Maybe your work is a summer job. Maybe your work is a sport you play. Maybe it's a part-time or full-time job. Maybe it's a stay-at-home mom. Maybe you're retired and you have a to-do list and you do whatever retired people do. You might respond, but Tim, that's, that's, that's not sacred. Okay? It is. When you're a child of God and you're being fulfilled by your work, it's really a ministry. You are serving others. You might be in office. You might be a delivery driver. You might be tending to kids. But whatever you're doing, you're having an impact on people around you. That's sacred work. Because God is working inside of you. We're made alive in Christ. Purposeless work is just work. Right? Adults, you might have done purposeless work. I remember I had a job, real quick, um, when I was, uh, I was in middle school, I was, I was working for my dad, actually, at a tractor uh, company, and my job was to sweep the floors, and then middle schooler, I'm like, the floors are clean, so the owner comes around, right, he always had to check my work, and, uh, and so he came around, he's like, oh, this isn't clean, I'm like, what about that, I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot that, so I go around and clean, I said, hey, what about that, 
Uh, I forgot that. Well, and, he, and he had this line, it can never be too clean. That, for me, felt like purpose of work. Now, I did get to drive a golf cart, so that was a plus side. But, uh, but purposeful work, it's still work, right? But it's bigger than yourself. When you're working with purpose, it has an intended outcome, which, is, which in the process grows and challenges you. You, students, you might see school as extremely purposeless. It might be sometimes. But it helps build your, uh, it helps build your character. It helps you grow and challenges you so that you can be a successful adult who follows Jesus and shares his love with others. God designed us to live on purpose. Don't just exist in this life. Live purposefully with your life. Find people who share this greater purpose with you. People that energize you, not drain you. God designed you to be in community with other believers. That's why community groups are such a focus here. If you're not involved in a community group, you're not involved. And so that's why, you know, we, we, we have community groups that have barbecues. We have community groups that get together. We have community groups that serve on a regular basis. Now, you know, we have like three community groups meeting underneath this room right here uh, afterwards, hearing about an experience that, um, that one of our members um, went to. And they want to share how God worked in that time. When you have people around you who understand you and see God's work in your life, it builds your faith in God. Have you ever thought about someone who has impacted your spiritual journey? I shared earlier about my youth pastor giving me an opportunity to serve and giving me, um, you know, that experience changed the direction of my life. Who is it for you? Who has influenced your faith journey? Maybe it was someone who spent time with you and helped talk things through that you didn't understand. The high school graduates today, you're going to see a little bit later, they have selected a person that has made an impact on their faith journey. Number three, you were created for God's grace. None of our life with Christ is possible without God's grace towards us. We deserve death and punishment for our sin. But God, through his grace and mercy and love, made us alive. So after a person accepts his free gift of salvation, they become fully alive with Christ by grace, nothing that they did. A person doesn't do anything to get salvation or work towards salvation or keep salvation. It's a gift. It's an act of surrendering your life to Jesus for his desires and his destination for your life. Look at verse 6 real quick. It says, and he, raised, and he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So we're made alive in Christ, raised up with him, seated with him in the heavenly places. That's pretty cool. But we're not in heaven right now, are we? No. Nothing about the world that we live in right now is heaven. And sometimes it feels so far away, right? 
But supernaturally, we can be in heaven with God. Just like we have supernaturally been given the Holy Spirit to work inside of us. Here's what I've come to know. Eternal life in Christ doesn't begin after this life. It begins now. We are living in eternal life. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and you give your entire life to him, you are beginning your eternal life with him. Remember Adam and Eve in the garden? They were living in eternal life. They just didn't know it. They were living in, with God, and at the end of God's life, well, God doesn't really have an end of life, right? So God doesn't stop existing after his life because he doesn't have an afterlife. So God continues to live for all time, always, and forever. And when Adam and Eve made the decision to say, hey, I'm going to be God, and I'm going to eat this fruit, they broke the relationship with God. And the only way to gain eternal life back was through one man, Jesus Christ. So if you're following Christ today, and you've made a decision to follow Jesus today, you are living in Christ Jesus. Verses 7. So in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And it's not your own doing, it's a gift of God. So, the, so Paul here off, over and over reminds his readers that we are saved by grace, not works. Grace, grace, grace. Nothing that we did was of ourselves. God's grace covers our sin. God's grace covers the deepest, darkest secrets in a person. It's grace that we don't deserve, but yet God still gives this to us. Let's finish off at verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Number four, you were created to do good works. So at the beginning of time, God knew that he would create you. You were planned, even though in this world you might not have been planned. God, being sovereign over all, planned your life. God knew the joys and the trials that you would come up against. You are his workmanship. Have you ever seen, a, do you have, maybe you have a favorite vacation spot. Maybe you have a favorite song or a favorite art piece or uh, something that just makes you feel great. It's a, it's a workmanship. It's, it's, a, it's a masterpiece. You are that masterpiece. You are a masterpiece created by God. It says we are created in Christ Jesus for good works. Good works is, again, contrasting from um, being dead and the gift of salvation. Good works is what is produced through our salvation. Salvation produces good works. So these works are a part of God's plan. Remember the, the school, the works that you, the sacred work versus um, the sacred work that we talked about earlier, whether it's school, whether it's a job, whether it's 
attending kids and you say, hey, that's, that's may or may not be purposeful, um, but it's, it's, uh, it's necessary. That's God's work. We have the desire to do good to others because of God's grace given to us. There's nothing that, um, that he sets in front of us that, that we uh, can't turn for his good. And it says here, God prepared these works beforehand that we should walk in him. So as we walk with Jesus, God knew that we would be in the phase of life that we are today. Maybe you have old ki- older kids, maybe you have young kids. Some of you are students, some of you are grandparents, some of you are parents. Some of you are going into a hard season of life. Some of you are maybe in the midst of a hard season in life. And some might be coming out of a hard time. In all of our circumstances, God prepared these works for us. He knew that we would write new chapters in our story. He knew that family dynamics would affect our life's journey. And here's my prayer for you today. As you seek God, walk in his works that he's prepared for you. Look at them as opportunities instead of have-tos. What's your next step today? I invite you to go online, share with us your next step. Maybe it's surrendering your life to Jesus. Maybe it's baptism. Maybe it's joining the church. But we'd love for you to take your next step today. When I was in high school, I had times when I was following Jesus close, and I was following, not following Jesus close. There's times when I was walking away from God. But during my senior year, God showed up through conversations that I had with my parents and other influential adults. And my but God moment came at God's timing. Yours will too.